The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference and the Raytheon Company presents Leadership in the Age of Hip Hop, a professional development seminar. Featuring Mission Assurance Director Rodney Bailey, Director Olu Bolton, Program Manager Director Trevor Dunwell, Mission Assurance and Quality Engineering Director Lakendra Francis Jones, and Program Management Director Carol Wooden. With a rich history of innovation spanning more than 100 years, Raytheon is a technology leader specializing in defense, homeland security, and other government markets. Raytheon's success can be attributed to creating a diverse work environment where respect is a core value. The black employee population at Raytheon is comprised mostly of Generation X, Y, Millennials, and soon Generation Z. One commonality between these generations that separates them from the baby boomers that preceded them is that they have been heavily influenced by the hip-hop music culture. The hip-hop culture is about embracing who you are and where you come from. Long gone are the days of assimilating and losing your cultural identity while pursuing your career in a technical industry. This workshop will explore the journey of men and women who are navigating their career at Raytheon and how hip-hop has influenced the directions they have taken in maintaining their authenticity and successfully growing in an environment that is also changing and adapting to different cultures. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference and the Raytheon Company presents Leadership in the Age of Hip-Hop, featuring Rodney Bailey, Olu Bolton, Trevor Dunwell, LaKendra Francis-Jones, and Carol Wooden. that is evolving in the company. And we wanted that leader to be viewed while we were at the Bayer Conference. And that's how we came up with the uh, signature series today, Leadership in the Age of Hip Hop. You know, most of the leaders now, we're in the gen Generation X category. So hip hop played a big influence on how we see the world and what is possible. The people that came before us were baby boomers and generation, general and say it correctly, the journalists, right? And uh, they, they came into the organizations trying to assimilate into the environment, which did open doors for us to come in later in the 90s. But we didn't come in with the idea of assimilation. We came in with the idea of maintaining our identity and being productive employees at the same time. So throughout the course of the day and the uh, questions you may ask the panels, you're gonna see that evolution of maintaining your identity at work and being that leader. All right, moving along, our first intro is Lakeisha Francis-Jones. She is an experienced program leader and systems engineer currently serving as the Director of Mission Assurance and Quality in both the advanced concepts and technology product lines of uh, space. Look, Kendra, sorry. I have my uh, contacts in today. She has been recognized as one of the Women of Color STEM Award recipients, leadership in industry, and earned Raytheon's Technical Achievement Award. 
She is involved in all diversity leadership, community service, and in her spare time, she enjoys family traveling, bodybuilding, and missionary service. Coming to the stage, Miss Lakendra Jones. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. All right. Next panelist. This gentleman is Trevor Dunwell. He's currently located in Tucson, Arizona, working on the missiles uh, systems business. He's a product area director, one of the premier ammunition fields by the Army. He has previously uh, supported Raytheon CEO in a staff exec role. He is now uh, the senior's uh, role. He's pr prior to that, he was in supply chain. He is a 15-year Raytheon employee and leader. Coming to the stage, Trevor Dunwell. Last but not least, Carol Wooden is a program management director in the tactical EOIR systems product area for the Space and Airborne Systems Division of Raytheon. She obtained her BS in electrical engineering from Tennessee State, my alma mater, HBCU, stand up. Uh, now she is serving as the middle child by mentoring junior employees while still studying those who have mentored her. As a graduate of Raytheon's engineering leadership development program, she has charted an unorthodox career path by working various divisions across the U.S. and internationally. She is a past Bay of Modern Day Technology Leader recipient. She is an entrepreneur and CEO of a small business in Dallas where she employs over 100 professionals in the hospitality industry. Come on, along. I'm taking you now. Was watching you when you was paving the ground. I copied your cadence. I'm living your style. I studied the grace. I'm the greatest right now. If you feel me, you ain't got a choice. I ain't do no promo. Still made all that noise. This shit gonna be different. I set my intentions. I promise to slap all that hate out your voice. All right. So let me give you some ground rules for today. We're gonna start off with a couple of questions for the panelists, just to get you warmed up. And then we want to make this as very much interactive as possible. Is everybody okay with that? Sure. I didn't hear you. Yes, sir. All right. So when you do have a question, we're going to ask that you come to this mic right there in, the, in the, this aisle and ask your questions. And we'll try to take as many as possible because we want to hear what's on your mind and give you the realness that these bring, leaders bring every day within their business unit. Is that okay? All right. So our first question for the panel is, hip hop has transformed cultures across the world, including stovepipe beliefs. What has the transformation taught you about your career and leadership styles? Okay, so um, for me, it's, it's that if you look at hip hop, right, 
crossing over into the pop genre and the pop genre crossing over into hip hop culture is the ability to change yourself as things evolve around you, right? So, I, you know, it's, you can't maintain, you can't be the same, right? As things are changing, how are you, how are you evolving yourself to get into that door to make those changes to then transform the beliefs and the actions of the things that were there, the so five things that were there before. And, you know, to add to that, I would also say, you know, it's just, um, you know, that resonates, you know, well, because it's that push and that persistent presence of hip hop, you know, across industries, you know, where, you know, basically we're saying, you know, we will not be denied, right? You know, we're influencing the culture of, you know, of athletes and sales, you know, marketing. So we, you know, we're expanding outside of just music to where, you know, now you have companies, you know, come into, you know, come into artists, you know, for apparel designs and, and then you have company, you know, you have them come in, uh, into organizations, you know, to help, you know, just revamp their whole marketing strategy on reaching, you know, uh, Gen Y uh, and the millennials. Uh, so that influence is prevalent and is seen in, in the media as well as across industries. I think for me, I take a um, interpersonal perspective, right? So when we think about transformation, when we think about hip hop, I absolutely love the genre because it has taught me to be a situational leader, right? So there are some instances where you have to treat people differently or lead people differently based upon the situation that you're in. There may be times where you don't have time to have a democratic or a bureaucratic process and you have to make quick decisions with a little bit of information, right? And then there are times where you do have to bring everyone's voices to the table and think through you know, what the strategy is gonna to be to execute. So I think for me, when I look at the transformation of hip hop from the 80s to the 90s to now, I've learned how to be a transformational leader or have that situational leadership and be able to navigate different, um, different paths or different directions based upon the situation that I'm in. Very nice. We'll come back to some of those points in just a minute, but I wanna to get to question number two before we go into audience questions. How does the hip hop culture um, create the mentality that you bring into the office every day? The way you interact with your team, how has that influenced your interactions and uh, bringing your authentic self into the workplace? Um, I would say it definitely um, has made me more cultural, uh, culturally responsive and, account and an accountable leader. Um, it, it has encouraged my sense of self-awareness as well as um, transparency because that's what hip hop is all about, right? It's about pushing the limits. It's about you know being you know honest and open about who you are, where you come from, you know how you evolve, um, what has you know what um, you know significant hurdles that you've overcome and obstacles to get to where you're at. So it's you know it's that anthem you know it says you know like uh, you know uh, fight you know hustle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, similarly um, to what Lakendra said, it's being bold. Sometimes you have to say the things that other people are thinking but may not want to say. Um, sometimes you have to do things that people want to do but are not brave enough to do it. So you have to be bold and be brave. And I think about Eminem, right? So I'm from Detroit. I saw Eminem when he was an underground rapper. And here's this young, you know, white kid trying to infiltrate into a historically, you know, black um, culture, right? So think about the struggles that he went through and then you think about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, right? So there have been times where I am the first, the only, right, one in the room. 
So, you know, when you think about being bold and, and, and doing things that most people won't do, I think that's the part of hip hop that has taught me to, to do that. <clears throat> I, I'm gonna go back to LaKindra's um, intro song, right? So DJ, can you can you cue that up for me one one more time? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it very important. No, nope, the, the other one, the Kendra song. Yeah, sorry about that. And my bad. <clears throat> and the reason why I bring this up is because you're going to be faced with challenges every single day, impossible challenges, easy challenges, no matter what it is but you better push on. You better have confidence in yourself and you better be sure you know that you can win no matter what. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because that's what that's the attitude you need when something or someone tells you something can't be done or that you're out of your league or anything else. You better have that confidence in yourself to know that you can win and you're going to push through it. Period. And keep moving. Right. It's, it's, and when it comes down to it, I, I always, you know, chalk it up as it's going to be about successes and lessons, right? Yep. I'm not losing, I'm learning. Yep. So I'm not taking L's. And, and exactly. that's what I tell myself all the time I walk into the room. I'm not taking an L. I'm going to learn something from this experience and I'm going to come right back at you. Yeah. I mean, for, for the sports fans who are out there, right? And any, everybody lost a game before they won the championship, mm -hmm. right? But they didn't quit when they lost that game. Can I give you a slightly different perspective? As a leader in Raytheon, I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted of coming into work, protecting my brand, trying to understand the things that are going in my mind, how I'm being viewed, uh, constantly going from meeting to meeting, wondering what this group of individuals are thinking about me and my role. It is exhausting. Are any of you exhausted? Okay. So now we can get into some real talk, all right? So what hip hop does and how it has influenced me, it has given me the confidence to be myself, right? Not, not uh, I don't have to come in clean shaven. I can wear a mustache or a goatee and not feel like I'm being overly aggressive. I know the business that I work in. I am fully prepared to answer the tough questions. So when I sit at that table, I'm trying to get rid of that exhaustion now. I'm not trying to go home feeling mentally depleted. And the hip hop culture has given me that strength to know that I can be myself and still elevate within a company of individuals that don't look like me. <clears throat> That's what the hip hop culture has done for me and leaders just like me. All right, we got through our first two questions and we want to be real with you. So at this point, I'm ready to take our first question from the audience. The mic is yours. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Um, as a young professional, I am just curious of the history of hip hop and who you guys feel is an inspirational artist or even an inspirational song that you think that the younger professionals who may not know or may not listen to the older generations of hip hop, who do you think that we should maybe go back and do some research on so we have a full understanding of the past and what they've gone through? So, so I'll, I'll take that. <clears throat> um, I'm actually coming at it a little differently. I, I, listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of genres of music, hip hop being one of them. And for me, it's it's every single artist that out there. Like I like Jay Z in the aspect of he, he talked about selling CDs out of his trunk, 
right, before you even got a label, that hustle mentality of I will not give up, I will not stop until I make, make that. You look at, you know, I grew up in New York, right, so you look at Biggie Smalls, you know, it's, it's the same thing. All of, a lot of these artists, a lot of these artists and our athletes come from, I would say, from impoverished neighborhoods, and they had to fight to make it through. So I, I would, wouldn't, I would say, yes, it's great to know your past, but look at those that are there with you now, and I would also, I would also encourage each and every single young professional here to blaze your own path and recognize that you too are a leader and a changer in the workforce, right? You have to look at yourself as someone that can make the change, right? Because if you change one life, just one, you have done an enormous, enormous benefit to, to the community. So I'm gonna answer that question in two ways because Trevor's right. I wanna touch on the hustle <clears throat> mentality because that's one thing that hip hop has definitely taught me. So as a junior engineer 16 years ago coming into the company, I didn't sell mixtapes out of the trunk of my car, but my resume, my career path, that was my hustle mentality, right? I wanted to make sure that I was on the right track in my career. I built mentoring relationships, advocacy relationships with those who could help me navigate, right, through what my next steps should be. Uh, from an artist perspective, one of my favorite songs right now is Middle Child by J. Cole. So that was one of my intro songs. So when you think about J. Cole, he is in our generation and he feels like he's a middle child because he's still looking up to those that, you know, he thought paved the way for him like Jay-Z and some of the other artists, but he's also looking at 21 Savage and some of the younger artists and trying to bring them up and provide them with the same path that my mentors gave me when I was a junior engineer. So to answer your question specifically, J. Cole, Middle Child would be one song that I would listen to. Okay. And, and um, I would say, like, I, I, I do um, resonate, uh, the, I would say socially conscious rap does resonate well with me. Um, so from the early 80s, like Public Enemy, you know, them basically talking about social injustice, um, you know, that to me, that, that was, you know, relevant because it talked about what was going on in black communities, you know, over-policing, you know, of young black males and, you know, and the, just, the, you know, the, the, um, the, the staggering, you know, incarceration rate you know, of young black males and them specifically being targeted, right, because the way they look. And um, and so those type of things, you know, uh, brought attention, you know, to what was going on in inner city America. And, it, you know, it shed a spotlight on, hey, something is wrong with this. You know, these numbers, you know, speak, you know, speak to themselves about volumes that something here isn't right. Okay. Thank you. Question. Thank you. Very good. Next question. Hello, my name is Deontay Green. I'm a second year mechanical engineering student at Florida A&M University. I have one question. Um, what could you imagine the world without hip hop? If so, how would that change the black community and where would the industries be without hip hop? Like, where, where do you see? Where do you think? That's a wow. tough question, yeah. right? Because um, <laughs> it, it, it goes back thousands of years to the birth of music, right? The, the bass, the drums, the beat. Um, I can't even imagine a world without hip hop, but if we were to have a world without hip hop, I think our generation and our community would be lost. So Rodney talked about assimilation versus integration, right? I think a lot of our culture and a lot of our history would be lost without being able to express ourselves in the way in which we do. Now, alternatively, um, I have a 10-year-old son who 
is sitting in the back of the room. And there's some music that I don't like him listening to because mainstream media has also taken hip hop and they have utilized sex and some other things that I don't personally agree with to, to make money. And so I think even in the, the music industry and in the hip hop industry, some artists have lost their way because they have to assimilate or integrate to the way in which mainstream media wants them to go. Um, but I mean, to answer your question, I just can't imagine a world without it. I, I think some of it um, in some form would still exist, especially in R&B, because when you look back you know, to the 60s and the 70s and you had artists like uh, Marvin Gaye was going on, right? And then you also had artists like James Brown, I'm Black and I'm Proud. So I think there still would have been some level of us, you know, speaking to who we are and what our impact is in society. It may not have been in a lyrical form, but it definitely been in the form of music. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I agree. I think some it's hip hop is a, is a means of communicating the, the struggles and the the joys and just the life of the black community. So I'm from Jamaica, and so I grew up with a you know listening to reggae, you know, day in and day out. Um, and so that was the same thing. It's a means of communication for a community. And I think if there was not hip hop, there would be something else um, because we all have a story to tell. We all have a voice that needs to be heard. So I think something would have would have slid into the, the, the space of hip hop. Thank you. Thank you. Good question. <laughs> Grand Rising. <laughs> from Jersey, close to New York and grew up with hip hop. Question I would have being this is a you know about professionalism and there's a lot of young people in the crowd. Hip hop is expression, hip hop is dress, graffiti, dance, everything. And when you grow up in the conditions that some of us has grown up into, and hip hop has given us a way to express that anger, that fear, or whatever it is we're going through, how when you get into the professional world, what advice would you give them how to go about changing the way you talk? Because you got slang, part of hip hop. How do you go teaching young people about the way they dress? I figure I could sag in my, my dress pants just like I do my regular pants. Um, handling conflict. When you're in the workplace, you can't just go off or black out <laughs> <laughs> and expect your, your, your counterparts to be like, man, I understand, love, love. Straight to HR. You go straight to HR, you might lose your job. Yes. So I think it's very important since we're talking about hip hop, how do we teach our young people how to be authentic and still feel like Rick Ross and every day we grind and hustle, but the politically and, and, and professionally be able to express it in email, talk, what books should we read, just something to make sure they can go into the workforce feeling empowered and knowing how to make that, because it's the same, I think, skill set. Hustling is, 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 is just like work. It's just different product, um, different, different um, industry. So. How do we teach them that? that, that I'm repeating myself. Yeah. Just, so let, me, I, let me take a stab at that. Let me, let, me, let me set the stage first. All right. Okay. So that was an excellent question. Okay. Yeah. I, I think everybody can agree, correct? Everybody knows what that blackout moment feels like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody ever seen the Incredible Hulk back in the day, right before he, so that's how we feel. Um, in order to address your question, it requires it, it, it is just necessary to have leaders that represent that community in place. Otherwise, that message that you just said goes unnoticed. 
it is, it is not because they are avoiding you, it is because it does not register at all. And to understand it, you have to have experienced it and seen it and know where that's coming from. And we do not teach that in this environment. So it is up to leaders like this, the leaders below them that they are grooming to tackle that hidden message, that silent killer in the office place that you just defined. And I'm gonna let these, these two come. So I was just gonna attack it one way. Um, two things, the mantra that I've always lived by, personally, I am a jeans, t-shirt, and flip-flop girl, right? But I can't wear jeans, uh, flip-flops, and t-shirts to work. So in my mind, you always have to wear the uniform to play the game. If LeBron James showed up in a suit, that means he's not playing the game that day because either he's injured or whatever. But you have to wear the uniform to play the game. If you want to work in an environment that you know allows you to express yourself artistically um, with sagging pants, whatever you want to do, then go work in that environment. But in the corporate setting, the uniform is the uniform, right? So you choose to wear it or you don't. And if you choose not to wear it, you're not going to play the game, right? Um, so that's what I, you know, teach my my son. I teach my mentees that you have to dress for the position that you want to be in. Period. That doesn't mean that you lose your authentic authenticity. That doesn't mean that you lose who you are. That doesn't mean that you aren't able to express yourself. Um, but then segueing into the second part of your question in terms of how do you turn? I, it's kind of like. Um, double consciousness, right? Because how you speak and how you show up at work may be completely different than how you show up at home. Um, and I live it every day, right? So the way I reprimand you know, my child at home will be different than how I might reprimand my team members at work or through email. But I think it's, it's a, a slow transformation in terms of how you have that situational awareness in the corporate setting and you play the, the, the game that is, is at hand. Um, so I, I'll leave it there. I have another point to make. I'll leave it there, but I want to hear Trevor's uh, <laughs> perspective um, on this one. We talk about it all the time. We do, and it's, it's so. I remember um, when I when I graduated college, went to Manhattan College in um, in New York. I graduated college. I got a job at Verizon as an engineer, and I showed up to work in Tim's some baggy jeans and a hoodie. So I completely, I can completely relate. Because <laughs> I was just like, all right, you know, I'm gonna go out in the field, so I'm gonna some, put on some Tim's. I got, I got plenty of Tim's at home. Got plenty of jeans at home, I have to go buy anything. And, and someone sat me down and said, look, you are representing a company, you are representing yourself, right? You are representing, every time you go and you knock on someone's door, because I was a field engineer, right? They're gonna look at you and say, well, you work with Verizon, really? Like, and you're an engineer, really? Like, I wasn't wearing the uniform of an engineer, right? So, I had to, I had to be mentored, right? Someone had to mentor me to just say, no, you, you need to go shop. You need to go off, and you need to go buy the uniform. I had to go buy, you know, some some shoes, some dress shoes. And at the time, I had one pair of dress shoes and about 15 pairs of sneakers. Right, and so now it's flipped over <laughs> as I've gotten older, right? I don't have like one pair of sneakers. But I, you know, to, to the question of, you have to, you have to get mentorship, right? You have to get mentorship from, from the very beginning around um, what professionalism and what you wanna do, what that looks like, what the uniform looks like. 
The other thing that helped to transform my life was um, Hot 97. So back in the day in New York, when I used to drive, I used to listen to the radio station in the morning, and they had a they had a skit. Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> but it, and they had a, a a speaking skit, and it was around can you talk for 30 seconds without using slang? And I was amazed at how many people could not do that. And then I tried. And I was, I was amazed that I couldn't do it. And so that forced me to start to, every time I started to speak and slang came into, into, into my, my verbiage, I would start over again. You know, so I would drive to work in the morning, talking, trying to take, take that language and have a conversation without using the slang and everything else. As, and then the last one is, is blacking out, right? So the, the authenticity, one, no one can take your authenticity away except for yourself, right? Um, so you, you live that. But as Carol said, you're in a different environment, right? <laughs> Growing up in high school, you know, you stepped on somebody's sneakers, you're about to fight, <laughs> right? Or die. Uh, or die, right? And, and that's real. You're about to fight or die. You know? And you can't have those, com you can't have that mentality, right? Because part of the job, part of the, the, part of the corporate America is having healthy conflict, is being able to sit down with someone who's going to oppose your view. And as a leader, someone is going to oppose your view. Make no mistake about that. And sitting down and having a conversation, even when they get irate, I always say, you know, uh, Michelle Obama, right? When they go low, you go high. Do not bring yourself down to that level of starting yelling and screaming and doing all that stuff. Do not belittle yourself and go to that level, right? Always hold your integrity high, and you stay calm. You stay rational, and it's tough, right? Because that's not the mentality we go through. But I think to answer your question, we need men we need to mentor. The, the young leaders that are coming, um, coming through, because we went through that. We've had our backdrop moments, we had our dressing moments and our speaking moments, right? and someone helped us through that. And I think through helping the young leaders is a way to go do that. You're listening to Leadership in the Age of Hip Hop, a professional development seminar. Featuring Rodney Bailey, Olu Bowden, Trevor Dunwell, Lakendra Francis-Jones, and Carol Wooden. Brought to you by the Raytheon Company and the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'm going to caveat on that because for, for me, it's about starting early. So we have a young adult as well as two teenage boys at home, right? And so my husband and I have taken it upon ourselves, and we've really embraced, you know, the African proverb, it takes a village. So when we're out and about at my son's schools, right, we're engaging with these other young teenage males that don't necessarily have the proper role models and guidance at home. And so we're talking to them, you know, real talk and, and, you know, and they're asking us, you know, so what do you do and why are you dressed like that? And, and so, and when we have those conversations with them and, and we let them know, you know, about our struggle and, you know, where we've gotten to and, and how we've gotten to that level. And so, you know, we, and we talk about, you know, emotional IQ, about not letting, you know, our anger, you know, flare or uh, sway our decisions on how we react and respond to people because we don't like what we hear. 
And and for them, you know, it's like, okay, we hear you, but we don't understand. That's not, you know, that's not our culture. That's not what we do. And so then we talk through, you know, situations of, okay, well, if you do respond, you know, negatively, here are the things that happen. You know, here's how you then, you know, offset, you know, you know, your life or, or put a ceiling on your life because of, you know, decisions that you made. So, you know, th that village, you know, requires us to be, you know, to parent other kids, especially when we see that, you know, kids have potential. You know, recognize the potential in them because sometimes they don't necessarily see it in themselves, right? So it's not a, just about parenting your own child, it's really about, you know, parenting our children. Well, I'll share a personal story, um, and I shared this before. My first day of work at Raytheon, 16 years ago, um, and I love bass in my car, I love playing loud music, probably louder than what I should, but um, I was pulling into the parking lot, I was playing Tupac, getting mentally prepared to go into <laughs> my first corporate job after uh, grad school. And um, I pulled into the parking lot and subconsciously I turned my music down, which personally I felt like, okay, I can't walk into this building and be me. That was, that was a hurtful moment. Like I was like, what am I doing, right? Um, but fast forward to now, when you talk about that blackout moment, I'll go back in my car and play Tupac and I will have my fit in the car. But when I go back into the office, right, you know, I show up differently because you're right. You cannot afford to have those moments. And I think sometimes people intentionally try to push you over the edge. People intentionally undercut you or undermine you or say things just for you to snap because the one time that you do, it's over. I can't show up and be aggressive because then I'm a, excuse me son, I'm a bitch or um, I'm a threat or I'm too aggressive, yet my male counterpart can do the exact same thing and pound his fist on the table and there is no rep you know, reprimand for that type of behavior. And he's just upset. He's a good leader, but he's just, yeah, oh, he just had a moment. That's just James. Right, or that's just him. I can't get away with that. I can't. Um, Let me give one shameless plug on an area you can hold your company accountable for. And that's the uh, employee resource group that maybe you fit in, right? And, and the reason why we have the employee resource groups or exact, I mean, for this situation you define, it should be an outlet, a way to reach out and get support from within, from others that understand exactly what you're going through and can help you come down off that moment and also give you a lesson from the moment at the same time. So I encourage you to, uh, you know, get involved with your employee resource group, be a mentor, be an advocate, be a sponsor, and, and help, you know, minimize these blackout moments, especially for new hires. So, because that's where it happens the most frequently, right? So, so I do want to make one, one plug, and in, in, in this is going to sound counter to everything that we've seen, and that's one plug to support the blackout, right? And that is, I, I read this book, Leadership Presence, Right, it's, it's all an act, right? So you go into a situation, what does the situation stand for and how you act in that situation? And there's times when you want to be upset, you want controlled frustration, you want controlled discipline, right? And so you do want to have that moment to let someone know they have crossed the line, but you do it in a very structured process, 
right? And I think that's the challenge is, is you don't, I, I won't say blackout, but probably gray out, right? Is you control it and let someone know, no, I'm, I'm telling you what you're gonna go do. I'm not asking your permission because I'm the leader in this instance. And so therefore, if I'm being held accountable, I'm telling you to go do something, go do it. And if you don't wanna go do it, then let's go figure out what else you're gonna go do because you can't stay on the team, right? So you, you, there's moments where you have to go do that, right? You can't be, you can't always be docile. Right, and, and, to, and to Carol's comment, if they want to go brand you something, it's okay, because that is your reputation on the line. And you can't afford for someone to push you over because you don't want to go set the right discipline in place and put your, your career and your brand in jeopardy. All right, next question from the audience, please. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Captain Carlin Myrick, uh, graduate of North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Question for you. First you off, the whole whole phrase. Um, first off, big props to Raytheon for letting y'all hold this um, panel discussion. Uh, definitely forward thinking. Um, question for you, uh, just because it's always a something that's on my mind in terms of hip hop culture. Um, very embedded into black culture. However, you have uh, co-workers who probably don't want to be associated with such. Have you had that, have you had that happen at Raytheon? Um, have you had those conversations with people who look like us who, that don't want to embed themselves in that culture? And how have you pretty much approached those questions or approached that whole situation? Before the panel starts, <laughs> You're really trying to get real. Uh, <laughs> now that's uh, this is this is black on black. So let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about it. I'll give one story before we get started. Mm -hmm. When I came into Raytheon twenty some years ago, I looked at the leadership. You know, you know how they teach you how to look at the orgs, and you know what, what the first thing we look for on the org. Exactly. <laughs> so when you get a chance to meet that face that you saw on the org, you think there's going to be a connection, right? Everybody feel like there should be a connection? <laughs> when you walk in between buildings and you see somebody you don't even know, what do you do? Head nod. <laughs> right? It, it, it was that way in college, it's that way in the workplace. So you think there's that connection. That's not always the case. And I'm going to let the panel talk about it. So, so that was a real struggle for me because the, the leaders that I looked, you know, that I looked up to and that looked like me did not openly accept me. And so I just said, okay, right. And so then I found individuals who just resonated well with me and who were comfortable with, you know, me being me and, and really having those real conversations about, well, Kendra, what does it mean when they say this? And, you know, we could have an honest dialogue because they were really interested and intrigued about, you know, how I grew up, you know, what does certain slang mean, you know, and, and how is that relevant? And, and how do they, you know, communicate with people, with other people that look like me, you know, especially those who might not be as open to have those conversations. Uh, so, you know, even though, you know, it was, it was, you know, disheartening to not have that acceptance, right? I just moved on really quickly. So I think it's, um, I've had the same experiences and quite frankly, until my prior role um, at corporate, I was advocated for by people that didn't look like me more than I was advocated 
by people who did um, until until recently. But I think that at the end of the day, sometimes leaders of the baby boomer generation, we have to realize the struggles that they went through as well, because it was much tougher as you dial back through the decades. And I think that although I don't like it, I understand why, um, because when they advocate for you, they are putting their neck on the line as well. And when the moment you don't show up, then you have tarnished not only your brand, but you've also tarnished their brand that they've spent 30, 40 years to, to build. And they went through much, much more bumps in the road than, than we did, right? So while I don't like it sometimes when you're not accepted by those people on the org chart that, that look like you, I can understand. I can understand. So I'm gonna come from it from a different point of view, right? So as I mentioned, um, I, I grew up in I grew up in New York. Um, first part of my life, I grew up in Jamaica, right? Um, so everyone looked like me, right? Um, there, we had a, a blend of um, European, um, East Indian, and Asian, um, uh, Chinese, and and so when I came to the states and I saw somebody else that was black, I never did the head nod. Right when I got into the workforce, you know, I, my my wife, she used to she's sitting over there. She used to tell me like, "Hey, you, you don't you don't recognize other black people." I'm like, "Well, why?" You know, I had that concept of why, like just because, it, and it was a struggle for me. Just because someone looked like me, if I don't know them and I'm not friends with them, why would I do that head nod? And it was a struggle for me. And it's not because I was I didn't want to be part of the culture or everything else. It was I came from a different space. Right, and so I say that, and now, funny enough, now as I understood, I'm walking down the hall, and I am doing the head nod. <laughs> but but I say that to say, you know, in some instances, I think we have to be brave enough to approach that individual and say, well, help me understand where you're coming from, right? Because I think one of the hardest things is that we tend to we tend to put our challenges on other people, and what I mean by that is. We tend to think that everyone went through the same or similar challenges that we did, and so therefore they recognize, you know, what's going on as as you know through us. And sometimes they don't. They never every every you know, and we all know this, right? Every black person didn't grow up in a struggle. They didn't grow up impoverished. They didn't grow up through racism, right? And so, and so because we did, or you know, others did, right? We can't assume, you know, the same for them. And sometimes they are on the other side, and we have to help them understand the struggles. And but to Carol's point, also, there, you know, for those that did, you know, in our past, they went through a completely different struggle, right? And so we had this conversation about um, the glass ceiling, you know. And, and I, I used to think, you know, some of our leaders have broken the glass ceiling, and now I just I have a different perspective on it. I think our some of our leaders have probably gotten to the second or the third floor, maybe the fourth floor. They haven't broken that glass ceiling. Right there is the the ceiling to me is how high or where you set it, right? And so for the leaders who are there before me, I appreciate what they have done, and for those who want to support me, I do appreciate that. And for those who don't, it's okay. I appreciate that as well. But don't always. And this is the one thing. This is one aspect I have when I look for mentors. I I want to look for someone that looks like me, and someone that does not. I want to look for someone that is a decision maker in that point of power. Because I want to understand their point of view, because I think oftentimes 
we do default sometimes back to race. And so if you don't understand their point of view, why would you hire me? Everything else was equal and you didn't see race. What are some of the things that I have to go check off? Right. And so I always make a purposeful attempt that every all my I have enough mentors that that do not look like me that can help me understand their perspective on how how they look at business. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to one thing, and that's money. And if you can make that organization money, they will at some point in time have to look past your color. So Carol ended her statement on, but I understand. <clears throat> and I would like to continue. Yeah, but what can I do? Right. Right. As a leader that has formed, been, been shaped by the hip hop culture, I don't have to create that environment in the work anymore. I can be that approachable leader that walks down the hall, gives you the head nod, opens my door, gives you the unwritten rules that we struggle to find throughout our <coughs> career matriculation. That's what we can do. That's, that's our responsibility, right? So although it does happen, it's up to you and all of you to take it upon yourself to show that there's a different way of leading than what we've been um, presented with in the past. Now, so um, there's, a, there's okay. one thing I want to say to, to put something to that, right? Um, I know we've had this conversation, Carol and I had this conversation before. You heard the saying, when in Rome, do what the Romans do? Right. That, that's true, but when you become Caesar, you can change what Romans do, mm -hmm. right? And that's the way you got to go look at it. Aim to become Caesar, and then you change to gain yourself. Exactly. So I think we have five minutes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, one other thing, sir, just wanted to thank you for your service and for all those, yes. all, all those here. Absolutely. One, one quick question. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Tavon Reynolds, uh, vehicle engineering manager with Northrop Grumman, uh, from the standard of excellence, Hampton University. <laughs> so, uh, I will now, I'm now leading uh, two teams on two different programs of engineers. Um, all of them are at least 25 years older than me, and none of them are black or any type of uh, minority. Uh, so a part of my mission in the next few months, I'm supposed to be staffing up. I'm obviously going to be diversifying the teams. And do you guys have any advice for fostering uh, a level of comfortability or, and uh, communication between my baby boomers who are not minorities and the minorities I do intend to bring in as the new young fresh talent, uh, level ones and twos out of college, um, making sure that they're able to communicate effectively with each other and that there's a level of respect from my current team for you know the people that I do bring in that will be of minority? I, I would say one, uh, I, I'm gonna try and keep it short, real short. Set a strategy, repeat it multiple times because the first time you said it, they're not gonna hear it. The second time you say it, they're not gonna hear it. You gotta keep repeating it and set what your strategy is. Stand firm on what your beliefs are and move forward. Um, if you've ever read The Art of War, right? I strongly believe in kill one, teach a thousand, right? Mm -hmm. So the minute 
one does step back on what you should not do or what they don't believe you should do, that's the one you go sacrifice and the rest will follow to understand that you're not playing. So. Thanks. I have time now. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> We're being Caesar, okay? That was my gray out moment. <laughs> uh, I, I echo what uh, Trevor just said. I, I applaud you for being in the position that you're in. Um, quick personal story. I. Um, was in the same position that you were in a couple years ago, right? So becoming a director at a very young age, when you say a young age in our industry, right? Um, and having to lead and manage a team of people who were significantly older and significantly younger. Um, you set the tone and you set the stage for what you expect your team to, to, um, to be and how they should perform based on the values that you bring to the table, right? So if respect is, is one of your top values or one of your top priorities, everyone should be respected. And those that can't do that, then they must leave your, your organization. Mm -hmm. But you can also create and foster you know, conversations between those generations that you're bringing together and encourage that diversity of thought and bringing the, everyone's voices to the table. So again, you are kind of the orchestrator, right, of setting the tone for, for that culture and how your team is gonna execute. And similarly, you show up and you be a leader because I'm sure you have peers that are significantly um, older than you as well. And when you're in the room, they chose you to be a leader for a reason. Claim your seat at the table and own it, right? But again, you set the pace and you set the tone for that. One of the things I'd say is recognize who your team are, who are the influencers mm -hmm. and the detractors on your team, right? Because it's not just you, right? You have other individuals on your team that are gonna help you influence and you either wanna go help them to Get, get them on board to help you influence your team and get rid of the detractors the, the, the as well. Okay. I would just say that you know, once you create you know, the vision uh, for, uh, for your victory, uh, it, it is incumbent upon you to, you know, to instantiate uh, talent, the right talent to go and execute that plan. And that's what you've been charged to, so do it. All right, do we have one more burning question? If you come to the mic, you can ask it. We have time. We have time. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kimberly Hawkins. I'm from the North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, as a person that has 35 years in the industry um, and as an informal leader, what you have provided today is a way that when individuals like you that we have helped become the visible leaders of the organization, we now take a step back, not to say we're not valued, but we take a step back to make sure whoever you have put in your organization, we're the people that teach and learn and they come to us, how can I become better? If they feel they cannot approach you, do you have any guidance for those that are on their last five or six years in the workplace to help strengthen the organization with the young Gen, Gen Zs and the other individuals? I think it's about approachability, right? And, and I really believe that it's incumbent upon me to go out and find uh, mentees, and, and I do. Uh, and, so, and I mentor across functions. Uh, and, and I'm basically chartering you know, my strategy for them based on what they believe that you know, their, their goals or objectives are. Uh, but most of the time, they are not going to be comfortable uh, coming to you because of your leadership position and your influence, right? They're going to be, a lot of times, they're going to be intimidated by that. 
So it's, it's about reaching out and bringing people in. Okay. And then more people will flock to that. Can I, can I add something to that? Um, I see us as the bridge, right? <laughs> I, I like to think that we can give that healthy nudge to the uh, person that feels like that you're not approachable, create that connection, be the introducer, you know, uh, really initiate that conversation. And, and that's, you know, that's our role, that's our new leadership role is bridging the gap because there's so much value to be learned from that 35, 40 year history that uh, you've acquired and in, in those in leadership positions like yourself that we don't wanna lose that. Right. When we talk about hip hop again, if we don't know if the kids don't know about Run DMC, you know, Kodak Black means nothing. <laughs> right. So it is uh, uh, upon us to be the bridge that initiates that connection. And I think you see us doing that more often now because, again, we've been in that situation where we felt like we couldn't approach and we don't want to go through that. And we're sharing that. And that's about hip hop is sharing the story. Right. So we are sharers. I would say one thing. We're in the middle. We can affect everything around us. We can pull those on the bottom up. We can push those on the top further up. Right. And I would say for those who are saying they're on their way five years or so, maybe we don't want you to leave yet. Let's go figure out how we can help you to keep moving up because the further you move up, you can help us up as well. So my name is Minerva Carter um, from the University of Houston. I'm a campus coordinator. But my story is um, graduated from an HBCU, um, went to corporate America, was there for a while. And what I realized when the students were coming in those early careers, they were not getting the training that they needed in order to um, stay in those spaces or even go into the management track. So went back to academia and started um, working with students and the student success. So as you were mentioning about the bridge, I think that that's where it starts. Um, I think um, one of the questions um, related to hip hop as I was sitting there is that if you look at the early um, artists in hip hop, a lot of them had to trailblaze, a lot of them had to go through those battles, um, but they didn't understand the system. And that's one of the things that um, I'm, wanting your advice on how do we train the students now to understand the system. So like you see Jay-Z as an example, he now owns his own platform where he's getting all of the money. And I stand back and I look at that and I'm like, gosh, it took that long for hip hop to realize not only do we show up, not only do we be authentic, but there's an ownership part that happens. And how can we do that? And then also that um, the battle that also happens, um, like the street battles, the label battles, I think that deters us. And you also see that in corporate, where you have people that look like us, and as you said, um, they don't necessarily advocate for us. And it may be because of the older mindset where I'm the only one that was here, and there's only one position available. So if I help her and give her my gems, then she's gonna replace me. So those are some of the questions from someone who has dedicated their life and have sacrificed a lot, because I realize that um, there's so much potential, and I have a passion for harnessing potential and in individuals, and I want to see the ceiling broken, and I want to see those making decisions in the space where we're underrepresented. Well, thank you for, for your passion and dedicating to it because it is a huge gap. So we definitely appreciate you for being that leader in that space. 
And, and I, I'd like for you guys to think of this panel as not the artists, but the producers, okay? The producers are the ones that create the craft to shape the vision that extend hip hop. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are doing up here today. Now I'm gonna give each of them 30 seconds <laughs> to give a last point to take home with you. 30 seconds. Me? Yes. Okay, so um, I, I would just say, you know, my, my just my tenant, my pillar is, you know, keeping it real. And, and all that means for me is that, you know, I'm going to be resourceful, I'm going to be engaging, I'm going to aspire, and I'm going to listen uh, to understand rather than just respond. Um, just just uh, two, two things I would say. One, to address your question, uh, I think we have to get over that mentality of there isn't enough. There is definitely enough out there for everyone. And I know we here on this panel, we get together every so often right and we support each other right even if we're going after the same job or anything else we still support each other because there is enough um and my get off the stage comment would be always be confident in yourself you can do it no matter what it is you don't fail until you quit right and that's the one thing you have to remember you'll hit bumps along the road you know and, and you fail when you decide not to get up right as the saying goes it's not how often you get knocked down it's how often you get up you just got to get up one more time the amount of times you've been knocked down my last takeaway is that as a leader no matter where you are lead from where you are right if you're a one-year employee a five-year employee or a 30-year employee you are a leader lead from where you are um, and, and one thing that, that hip hop has taught us is that it's a struggle, yes, but you can overcome and you can achieve as long as you share your story. Your story is the competitive discriminator. You are the competitive discriminator. Your history, your background, your experiences, all of those things come to the table and they show up with you at work every day. You don't leave your experience in the car when you get out of the car and walk into the building. You are your competitive discriminator. So show up to work and be you every day. I don't have a last thought. Connect with me on LinkedIn and we'll continue the conversation. Before we get off the stage, I'd like to show some love to the DJ, my brother from another mother, <laughs> Olu. He has uh, performed fabulously this weekend in different seminars that he has been a part of and also working with the kids in uh, the math movie standing yes, which is so important to developing that next generation of leaders. So if you all could just give my DJ a round of applause. Take us out. Thank you for listening to Leadership in the Age of Hip Hop, a professional development seminar presented by the Raytheon Company. Featuring Mission Assurance Director, Rodney Bailey, Director, Olu Bolton. Program Manager Director, Trevor Dunwell. Mission Assurance and Quality Engineering Director, LaKendra Francis-Jones. And Program Management Director, Carol Wooden. If you've enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.